Hello and welcome again, everyone, to another episode of Waiting to Be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Will, and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer we are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of FX Hash. That being said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It's all just for fun conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week. Or for those who prefer a visual language, on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations at our Tez wallet address, Waiting to Sign.Tez, and that is inclusive of tokens. Trinity, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you doing, Will? Doing well. We're, this is the first recording from the New Jersey Podcasting Studio. We are mostly moved, minus the furniture that didn't make it into the truck that we're going to have to replace on this side, but... It's an opportunity. It is an opportunity. Apparently, Ikea is not as, it, as cheap as it used to be. We're, <laughs> we're going through a supply chain shortage, Will. Yeah, that's what we were trying to figure out today. Like A lot of the stuff that we were looking at is not as cheap as we expected, but... Maybe that'll get us to branch out and buy something that's not Ikea this time around. I highly recommend buying something that's not Ikea. Not financial advice, but uh, style advice. It's also just crazy what's out there. And now that you have a car, you can go to vintage stores, you know, look at antiques and just really make your home exactly what it needs to be. But here's the thing. We have no dressers. And so we kind of have a critical point of failure right now in our ability to unpack. So... As much as it would be great to take an entire season to go antiquing, we do need to unload the boxes at some point and get them into drawers. Okay. Ikea, let's go. Yeah, that's why we were there today. Yeah, how about you? You were pretty busy, huh? Yeah, I just had a lot of work workshops this week. It's one of those big scenarios where you have like 30 or 40 people just descending on your office and making people happy, making people feel fed, taking them on sightseeing throughout the city. It's just a bunch of... 12 hour days, but you know, it's fun. It's worth it. It's nice to be in person with people. Can't go wrong. It did make minting a little bit tough this week just because everybody was in during the three days that minting was on. And then once everybody went home, we were on our break, but that's okay. That's FX hash. And, you know, I know that, you know, that type of work thing is less harrowing than executing a multi-state move. So yeah, multi-state technically, it, it's only four miles in direct line, the move that we made, but by car, it takes a minimum of 40 minutes each way, <laughs> no matter which way you go. So And that's a on a good day. Four miles, yeah. 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 Well, just because of the move and especially the three days that the move kind of condensed upon, I missed a lot of minting, but luckily like still got a bunch of stuff from over the weekend and made some secondary pickups, so... Not as fully engaged with the week as I had hoped. Very much looking forward to next week kind of being settled and having my computer set set up and getting to just do the full degen like I normally do and be at the computer almost all day. Your your, your minting pod, I guess. Yeah, exactly that. So I got my little computer studio here, which is technically my office, but I'm on on two more weeks of leave. So I'm really going to just be like chilling with the baby and minting stuff and uh, really looking forward to that. You're going to have to give me your address so I can send you our KGM. Did it come? No, I was going to get it shipped to your place. Oh, okay. Cool. It just felt a little bit easier than oh, yeah. the, well, the whole swapsies because now that you live in New Jersey, you know, it's going to be well, harder to see Why don't I just you. give everyone the address on the air right now and we'll just, you know, 
cool. Anyone can mail me anything, you know, good or bad. No, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to keep that a secret. Yeah. Well, I know we have a good amount of news to talk about today, but there's something that I've been meaning to do that I keep forgetting to do. If you'll allow, I want to do a kind of a shout out to a lot of the other tokens that we've been donated. Like, I think a lot of stuff kind of fell through because we share the wallet and we don't get notifications when things come to us. And also the way it's ordered in the wallet, like when you look on FX hash, like things that are older, go to the bottom and you can miss them. So I'm sure you've seen, we've actually gotten quite a few. I know it's great. I'm assuming most of these were donated by the artists. I'm not sure who sent them, but. For example, Protocell Labs, it looks like they sent us one of each of their projects, Monocell, uh, Chromoplasm, and Crystallix. I know Matt W. sent us sketching um, from Yuan Lin, so thank you there. Sincere Tokens sent us an obfuscation. One Abstract sent us an Over the Hills and a Lost in Multidimensional Planes. David Esquire sent us a loss, and we got quite a few pangs from our friend Abstractman. I know. it's. I love to see that. Thank you. Nick Dima sent us a blend, and Fojibis sent us the price of oil, which was a really fun one that we should have talked about the, the week it came out. Pixel Wank sent us a Haspirational, and Anand.Tez sent us one of their 111 projects, which I think we'll, maybe we won't talk about on this episode, but on a future episode, there's something interesting going on there. Since you have control of the wallet, you have to mint. We have a reserve for their project. Okay. I will be sure to go in and do that maybe once we finish recording. Yeah, because they're going to open it tomorrow. So got to go grab it. All right. But yeah, this is just a laundry list of, of thanks to everyone who's contributed in their own way to the show. It's very much appreciated. So yeah, with the thanks out of the way, should we do a little news? Yeah. Let's do some news, Will. I think the biggest news of the week, um, it's been ongoing. We've been seeing it online. We've been seeing it in our sales feed, and that is the Art Basel Hong Kong event that's happening in Hong Kong uh, as we speak. I'm not sure how long it goes or if it's over yet, but it's an art fair. So generally, it's more traditional art, traditional galleries showing up. But Tezos is one of the partners, I guess, sponsoring Art Basel Hong Kong. So they showcased a lot of works just even beyond what was being minted. So some things from Iskra, you know, Song Ting, who's an artist I don't know as well, Matt Delorier as well, and then a couple of random combo pieces, May, which I think we, we know and love. And they also had this really cool live minting event where if you see on FX hash right now, you'll, there are a couple of high profile artists, zero Tez mints. The entire bucket is reserved at least for now and some really awesome work. Yeah. They got a, some really good, just bunch of participants here. New Lunarian with their first project since Solus, uh, they have a project at this event called heat death. Jinya Lin has a project called Mythologic. Yazid, who we haven't seen on FX Hash in a while, has a project here called Gestalt. Of course, Marcelo uh, Rodriguez has a project. I mean, just so much. I, Ryan Bell, like all the, the only artist I wasn't familiar with on the list was Sarah Ridgely, who this looks like it's her first piece on FX Hash, but I'm sure she's must have other stuff on Tezos that I'm not aware of. Yeah, she's pretty established from what I've been able to see. And we love to see new artists. We're not an exclusive club quite yet. 
So yeah. I think the more the merrier. And I have to say that for the most part, all of these are really cool. Yeah, all of them are great. And if you're there and they're free, I mean, I, I have no idea what the deal is. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't just mint one of each of them or what the restriction is. Maybe you have like a, they look at your badge and they give you a punch and that's it. You've gotten your one mint. Because there is some asymmetry to the distribution. Like some are more minted than others. We've seen a few go, uh, go into the sales feed. Many selling north of 100, some north of 200 for a free mint. That's a pretty good payday. And I guess the big question is, I think the event was five days. So we're coming up on the end soon. It looks like most of these are tracking to be unminted by the time the event's over. So I guess it's up to the artists what they're going to do. Are they going to change the price? Are they just going to open them for free? Mm -hmm. A lot of excitement there. (laughs) I definitely want some of these. Yeah. And I think that has to do with some of the reserve lists because I saw that the reserve list for at least the Irion Bell piece had changed. They were all initially reserved. I think it was 1,000 to the Art Basel event, 200 to Ryan Bell, and that you know he had some reserved for people. I was on the re- reservist list initially. I hold two disorganized chaos and a couple of anti-flows. And so there's the chance that, you know, those reserves will come back into play once the event is over. But, you know, nothing is confirmed, uh, I don't think. So we'll just have to see what happens. Maybe if everything gets burned, that is going to be insane. Because I know that some people have been sniping um, some of these pieces on the secondary with the idea that, you know, I love this. It's great. But obviously, understanding that if there are now 1,200 on the market at some point, that's going to be a pretty big number. And so prices might go down. But if they get burned, you know, that's a pretty yeah. smart play. Hard to hard to say. Yeah, definitely. I, I have not gone in on the secondary end of these on any of these because of the open-endedness of them and not knowing what's going to happen. So definitely like a risk reward thing. You know, some collectors are kind of price agnostic and they just want to have what they want and they don't really care about that stuff in the long, long run. But do you have any favorites? Uh, I really like the Marcelo piece in, in a lot of ways. It's like very much him. It does a lot of that kind of grainy movement stuff that even we see on Contra Puntos, like it has this kind of subtle animation in the background of the canvas that this has, but this, but this has more, more movement than usual and just the way it's very childlike and inspired by at first I looked at it and I was like I'm not sure if I get this but looking at a lot of the different outputs now I I think it's a very cool piece and I really love the animation on it too it just gives it another layer of joy and I think that it's just fantastic yeah in particular I like the ones without rainbows oh really I like the ones with rainbows what's wrong with rainbows nothing I just just when I was looking through today, thinking, should I buy one? You know, I, I had a decent sale today. So I was like, how do I spend this Tez? And uh, there was one kind of near the floor that was really minimal and didn't have any rainbows on it. I was like, oh, I really, I really like the way that looks. It's like just a little bit cleaner. But I'm sure there's ones with rainbows that are well composed. And I would like just in that instance, I really liked it. Rainbows and hearts. You got to you gotta go for it. So the other piece that I, I like and that speaks to me is Heat Death by Lunarian. We've seen a lot of work similar to this um, from other artists. You know, Celestial Collisions really comes to mind, but this is just on another level. You know, it has like the depth, the moodiness, the texture. Have you taken a look at this one? Yeah, it's super, it's super nice. Like it's it's kind of got, like you said, the Celestial Collisions vibe, and some of them literally are colliding and coming apart. It also has a little bit of a beyond you know from mj lindo vibe to me Mm -hmm. but feels so distinct from both of those projects and you can 
see the common thread between solace and this in like the work of the subtlety of the shading mm-hmm. and just the choice of color palettes and how muted it is really really cool one and it's just exciting to see a follow-up from lunarian it's been a really long time since solace it has been there's been some collabs right uh, lunarian worked on the camille bridge collab piece yeah but and- that's that I mean, was the one that everybody was paying above floor for that one, even though they all came in all of the uh, yeah, all the renditions. I don't I don't consider that like a true follow up, but true. it is technically another Lunarian release. Yeah, I love the black and white ones the most. I think the colors are cool, but there's just something about the like the grayscale that really speaks to me. Yeah, any others you want to talk about, or should we move on to the next news item? I've got a quick one here. Let's move on to the next news item. All right. So this is a rare bit of non-FX hash news, but there was an 82,000 Tez sale on Object, a piece by Xcopy that is now officially the highest sale in Tez terms. I don't know if in dollar terms, if you do the conversion on the chain as a whole. So completely new record in the sale of a single piece. So uh, yeah, I guess this is just a continuation of kind of the narrative of art on Tezos being big this summer. It's not even a one of one, is it? It's a one of three. X copy is, you know, one of the big, big, big artists that people go nuts for, you know, his stuff on ETH is incredibly expensive. (laughs) So this is actually the, with the current conversion, this is the equivalent of 82 ETH. It's about a thousand Tez per ETH right now. So this is an 82 ETH sale. If you want that's to put it in insane. those terms. Yeah. That's really that, That's really cool. So just awesome to see people bring that kind of money and attention, you know, the attention, obviously that's going to be a big headline when that makes its way into other ecosystems, like a sale of that magnitude. I just wanted to throw that out there because it's just an interesting stat. That's all. Other big piece of news that just came early this morning is that density by heavy minted out. When we talked about this last a couple of weeks ago, it was sitting at just over a third at you know 300 some, and now all 999 are gone. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. And I kept checking it from time to time. I'm sure you did as well. It started to become clear that it would mint out eventually, but it kind of did that last third really quickly in the last... Which is kind of similar to what we would typically see, I think. Um, Like in any sort of Dutch auction, for example, is once people start going in, everybody starts going in. And we saw this with um, sedimentary dissolution and some of the other big pieces that have been slow mints is that it's just slow to start and then it just goes. Once it's obvious or once it's clear they're going to mint out, then everyone starts to get FOMO and piles in. But in particular, there were a couple of players who were really instrumental in getting this to the, or or creating kind of, I guess, that moment of excitement that caused it to finish. So in particular, like our friend of the show, Abstract Mint, um, posted a tweet thread explaining why he in particular chose to mint 38 of them, the bulk of which I think he minted last night. I know he minted a couple earlier on. Just kind of talking about, you know, we want big artists on Tezos, you know, FX hash or otherwise, we want them bringing their best work here or what they consider their best work, you know, basically just saying like philosophically and I, you know, I support this art, I support this artist, I support this platform. So a very, very thoughtful 
thread by him that we can put in the show notes. And uh, I think Mage tagged along as well. 66 from Mage. Yeah. Doing Mage things. You love to see it. Yeah. So even even though, you know, you know, maybe Heavy thought it would mint out really quickly at above 90, like still a very good payday to do 999 at 90 Tez. That's quite a lot. It's just over one X copy. So that's how you know yeah, you've exactly. made it. We, we talk in X <laughs> copies now. Some of this minted above the 90 uh, Tez resting point, but it's uh, 89,910 Tez, if assuming all at 90, which is pretty yeah, good. Not bad. Not that's bad. It's a really all. great payday for even if it's three months of all your effort. That's awesome. You know, I would say personally, you know, my take on the piece hasn't changed. Like I'm happy it minted out. I'm happy people are enjoying it. It's still not, I guess, for me, but that's fine. Like all art doesn't have to be for everyone. So I think it's cool. And hopefully it just means that more artists will come over, drop bigger and more ambitious stuff. And it's just going to be healthy for the entire ecosystem. I know that you were thinking about maybe getting a density towards the end. Did you end up doing that? No, I did. I looked at it last night. I had just gotten the computer set up and I was trying to like, you know, we were, I was thinking we were, we were even considering recording last night and, um, I canceled it last minute. I'm actually to, pretty happy about that. I'm, okay, I'm good, so tired. Good. Yeah. Just due to fatigue and just needing to get things done while we had time. But I looked and I think there was well over 200 still left. And I thought I had told myself if I made big sales, I would mint one of these and I would mint a Gonzian and I had minted the Gonzian this week and I just needed to mint the density and I woke up this morning and they were gone. But I, I don't feel the urge though to go hunting them on the secondary. I was, I was fine minting it and getting my random one and like, you know, doing it for the code. That would have been kind of my statement there is like, I do think it's a well-crafted piece. Just, I don't want to go chasing it. And looking at the secondary, it's 8.4% listed, which is pretty low. Obviously, a lot of them are in collectors' hands, collectors who came from ETH, Mage, Abstractment. The ROI is pretty good if you're holding and looking to sell. You know, we've seen some sales over the course of the day, and the floor is currently sitting at 175 with a couple more in the 180s. So that's a nice 2x. Can't, yeah, easily. Can't say just, no. It could just slowly keep moving up, you know, sedimentary dissolution as a comp took a long time to mint out spent a lot of time kind of wavering between 2x mint and mint until finally it broke out so we're kind of in the 2x mint zone here could it come back down maybe because there were some people or some flipper wallets i think who did get in there thinking it was going to mint out and they're probably going to be looking to start selling now that it's sold out so that we, we could see a temporary downturn here if it kind of fits the form that other drops have had but i think long run if you mint it with conviction, I'm sure you'll be okay here. There have been a couple of new tools that have come into the collector's toolkit, so to speak. Uh, Mark Knoll has a site that's always been incredibly helpful, uh, FX Collectors, to see more about who, how many people have a particular piece. So it's a great way to just quickly do some low-key journalism, as they say. But he added a new thing this week, which you may have seen popping up in the price feed, and that is the ability to sweep a collection. Uh, the functionality of this tool is to find a project. How many pieces do you want from the floor? Like, I want 10 pieces from the floor. It 
calculates how much TES that will be. And then it, in a single transaction, it buys them all. Uh, the transaction will get canceled if somebody else picks up one of those while you're sweeping. But you know, if it's a block that's safe, it's safe. And so I think big collectors will find this really helpful. You're no, not going to be seeing the one, the one, the one hitting min- a million times, but it changes like the game theory around, you know, getting in on a run quite a bit. Totally. I mean, now the momentum shift is going to be very sudden, right? I think before, if you were especially like a a sales feed hawk, like a lot of us are, you could see like one person starting it with two or three purchases and then someone else seeing it and going in and getting it and like very quickly it accumulates. And then all you have to do is quickly browse and be like, oh, here's the break point, right? Like once it gets to 25 tests, we're jumping to 50 to make it make it very worthwhile to jump in and kind of help secure that next like huge break point and floor. But now someone can just do it all themselves, which is, I think we saw someone do it today with Grian actually. Yeah. The Eric Andwer piece. Mm-hmm. And by like 10 or 15 of them at once, it's still pretty low floor, but you know, it works. It's crazy. I think it really changes the way that you have to think about it. Uh, obviously if a run is happening and you're not at your computer and you're not going to get caught up in it, then it doesn't really change that much. But thinking about a, the scenario where Clown Vamp just wants 25 astral looms and that run doesn't happen, it's it really changes the game. You know, on a similar note, FX Hash added a tool today to put in offers on individual tokens in someone's collection, whether they're listed or not. If there's a piece up for 150 and you want to offer 125 and see if they'll give you, you know, sell it for that price, you can do that. Or if there's just a piece you really, really, really like that's not listed, you can throw an offer out there. The the related portion here is that eventually they're going to allow you to do blanket offers on a collection. So you could just go like, I really like Grian, for example, and I'll buy as much Grian as people will sell me at six Tez a piece. Are you putting an offer out so that you are committing to buying however many people want to offer? Are you saying, or can you say, I want one green at six Tez and that's my limit? Right now, the only thing you can do is offer on one particular piece. Not You can't just offer like, I want one green at six who will sell it to me. You can go like, I want your green for six. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. Right. But in the future, they're going to let you offer on a whole collection. And the way it's been described... If you are taking some risk as a buyer because if a lot of people accept as the way the contract is going to be constructed, you're on the hook for scaling your purchase to the number of people who accept it at your offer. I think so. that seems fundamentally flawed and a really great way to punish a fat fingering. So what if I accidentally put 60 tests for yeah. all of your greens? Also, what happens if I don't have that much in my wallet? It seems really dangerous to well, do so no, it that way. I don't way. think you can. I don't think you can overoffer. Like right now, if I were to offer you on your red Iskra a thousand Tez and I don't have it, it won't let me make the offer. In order to make an offer, I have to actually put the Tez into the contract. Like you, and, and I lose that liquidity while the offer is outstanding. Oh yeah, that's yeah. exactly how it is. But I'm saying it, it would make no sense if I'm locking up my six Tez that I'm then going to get dinged. For 180 tests because 30 different people are accepting my offer on the collection. Right. But That's presumably, all I'm saying. if you're if you're offering on the collection, presumably you're interested in that. And then I guess here's the other side of it: there's no like notifications or anything, so people aren't gonna as as of right now. Like 
I haven't gotten a note, any offers. No, you I've, have to go manually of. into your dashboard yeah. and check. It's pretty easy for the so most it's ri- part. I think it's, it's risky to a point, but if you put this blanket offer out there and then you get a couple bites and then a couple more, I'm, at a certain point, I'm sure you can just close it. But if you put out the blanket offer and then walk away for a day and come back, you could have way more than you wanted for sure. I don't like the way that works. Maybe I'm misrepresenting it. Maybe there will be, but I, I think that's kind Especially of the game. if you're only locking up six. If you're only locking up six, then. Well, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I assume you'd have to lock up six X, the number of pieces in the collection. That's going to be impossible for most people. But I don't think it's a, it's not a thing for most people. It's a tool for whales. It's like the the blanket offer on a collection is a whale tool, and the blanket and the individual offers is just like a traditional collector tool. Maybe the tool will be different, but this is the way that I've understood it to work, and the way I understand it to work in other plat- platforms for like generative pieces. But it doesn't seem like a tool that's designed for us necessarily. But I'm sure people will use it. Either way, in, in whatever version of it manifests, I'm sure it's going to get used by primarily whales would be my guess. The only other fun piece of information that kind of came out of that update with the ability to place offers is, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but uh, they reduced or they removed the character limit on your name. So obviously in the sales feed, I come up as Trinity, you come up as willpop.tez. Now that there is no character limit, hopefully this changes soon. People have been going ham and this is the one that kind of popped through right before we started recording. And I just wanted to read it out loud because it makes me really happy because it's just crazy and ridiculous. And what I'm about to read is somebody's name on FX hash that pops up in the sales feed every single time they buy something. And this name is, please do not fix the character limit. It is the only way I can communicate with my estranged family ever since my wife kicked me out due to my crippling FX hash addiction. I'm now a vagrant, only sustained by my large collection of batch-minted FX hash logos I've been slowly selling off over the past six months. Barbara, if you read this, I'm so close to being able to afford a garden monolith. I will prove myself worthy of your affection once again through a combination of sheer degeneracy, ridiculous lowball offers, and market manipulation using a network of 47 fake Discord accounts and hundreds of wallet addresses. Also, please send me the solace you stole from me before kicking me out. It is not your property, and I need liquidity ASAP. And that is their name. Very creative. This will be short-lived, so everyone have your fun with it. <laughs> I also did smile when I saw these start to pop up uh, just a couple hours ago. We have a very creative community, not just creative coders. Yeah. Well, let's see. Should we talk about some of the stuff that we did this week, like minted, collected, or otherwise? Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, well, you know, normally we would have some of our favorite mints, but I think neither of us really have anything this week because we just were not around to mint. But I made some secondary pickups, and I know you did as well. And actually, there's a lot of overlap in our secondary pickups, so hive mind. <laughs> yeah, so for example, we both ended up going in on Reborn this week mm-hmm. from Yasek. Uh, you got one, and I got three. I know you had a particular story or reason why you were getting I yours. completed my uh, Yasek triptych where I have a green hollow, a green unbuilt, and now I have a green reborn. It's looking pretty pretty awesome. Um, there's a new 
future feature coming out on a, another platform from a gallery perspective and just being able to put them like in the triptych itself and like looking at and experimenting with some of the other colors and, you know, flavors of the Yasek pieces. It's, it's really fun to look at. And, you know, it's just when an artist is using similar palettes, like as a continued through thread in their pieces, it really opens up the possibilities to kind of com complete a set, so to speak. I got my three reborns because, well, one, ever since Hollow, I've kind of been revisiting a lot of Yasek's past work and have been becoming increasingly enamored with it. Um, I think we mentioned in the last episode, like I'm too afraid to try to pick an unbuilt. I don't know how to decide on those and they're a bit more expensive and I just, just don't want to risk it. But the Reborns were, were the one project of his that hadn't moved yet. And uh, the three that I got were each, I think, under 100 or maybe the third was 100. But I just wanted to get a nice set that were all differently shaped and differently um, you know, different color palette and style. So just kind of like a play on one value and two, just increasingly feeling confident. This is an important artist on the platform. And I mean, it's been already worth it uh, since you started your sweep, because I think you got your first at 75. So the floor is already doubled to 150. So we have moved floors. Hell yeah. That's what we're all about on this show. Moving floors, getting people to pump our bags uh, the other piece that we both bought into was Omega Point. And this was shortly after our conversation with Peter Pasma. If you have not listened to that, you go ahead and check it out. It's awesome. But this was a piece that he was really, you know, interested in from a pure technology perspective. And like, how did he make it so smooth and so detailed and like run so well? Yeah, it loads so fast. And this was one that I think we both, did we both mint it and sell it? Like originally? I didn't mint it. You minted it and sold it for 40 or 50, right? I minted it and sold it for 60. And then here I was buying back in higher. And I, I'm sure, on, I'm pretty sure if you go back and check the tape, my line was like, I'm, I'm selling at 60 and then I'm going to buy in lower. And there was a window to buy in lower. There was actually quite a long window to buy in um, close to half that that I just kind of sat and ignored and sat and ignored. And then just the way the market has been recently, kind of every solid project, every, every project that's been in the back of your mind, like, man, I need to go back and revisit it. They've all just started moving. And then, yeah, it was that interview with Peter that kind of just kicked me again. That was like, yeah, this is an artist who did something really special here. And if, if he's perplexed or interested by the code, then I should probably get back in and I just did my best to pick three different pieces and you know, I like to have three because then if I end up selling one later, I'll still have a couple left. I mean, yeah. And three is a privilege. Let's, let's be clear. Um, I also think it's best to kind of pick things up in multiples just so that you do have the, the, the liquidity. For example, if reborn goes on a run, I have my one reborn. I don't want to sell it. And so I kind of feel a little bit screwed for not giving myself more exposure to a particular piece. But that's that's okay too. It makes sense sometimes just to get that initial exposure and not go as deep. I yeah. wouldn't want half my liquidity to go into reborns, for example. No, definitely not. So the the two pieces we differed on, we both only got one of. Mm -hmm. So you got yourself a chromatic dazzle, and was that your first one? It's my second chromatic dazzle. But I was looking at the floor. Um, it only had 
12 or 13 listed at the time, and it was a pretty steep rocket up to 100. I haven't checked the floor prices recently um, or the number listed, but it's something where it's such an old project. It's, I think, project number five. And so from that angle, it's not likely to get dumped onto the market. Yeah, there's 15 listed and the floor is 89, which I think is above what you bought for. I bought at 50, so yeah. Yeah, perfect. And the one that I moved on just today was a Toxi Defrag, the original. I have a couple V2s that I got six weeks back or something, kind of right around the time that they were starting to have that run. Never got a V1. I've always liked the look of them. And then today, I think we talked about this also last week, like the Abona Tau piece, how we both were saying we didn't want to sell it too soon. So right after that episode, I went and listed mine for 300. So right in the range, I said I would be happy to sell it for. And the market just caught up to it and it sold. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this and I still have some Avona pieces. So what, what do I want to do? I'm going to go get a really cool defrag. And I got one that had a very interesting thumbnail and very happy with it. Congratulations, both on the sale and on your pickup. Thank you. I think that lets us kind of transition over to some of the the market trends that we've been seeing. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of always being listed, uh, Iskra went on an amazing run overnight where we saw some crazy sales in the 500 range, which was where the floor was. And then, you know, a crazy nowhere sale at 10,000 does. I think that's the highest sale for that particular work ever. Obviously really great. Nowheres are beautiful. All of a sudden I had one of the weird ugly city things and it was on the floor and I was like, how did this happen? I had listed it at 1100. Wow. Ugly. All right. Oh, not ugly. It's just not as pretty. Yeah. So you, you delisted at 1100. I had relisted it to 1100 and now I relisted it to 5,500. Wow. I'm getting greedy, okay. but you know, I think retrospectively the floor is, you just hate making sales Trinity. I don't like making sales too early. So what happened was after that particular run, there are only like 19 or 20 on the market. And so that actually was the floor piece for that particular look and feel. So it made sense at the time, but you know, 20 more have been dumped on the market uh, over the course of the last 12 hours or so, which makes sense. If something's going up, you want to be listed. And so I didn't see anything come out of that, but I don't have that many regrets. I feel like there's no reason to sell right now. You could bump it down to 2000 and you would be the cheapest of that style. You could even go to like 2250 or something. Cause it looks like 2,500 is the, cheapest city out there right now if it's not one that you love like don't you just want to get like over 2000 tez and be able to buy all the stuff that you're always agonizing over how you can't get three and like i feel like I, you gotta make a move somewhere you gotta stop relisting this stuff higher when you're about to get a big payday that's true um i think that the idea that i had was to try to sell and then buy back in um one that i like cheaper Obviously, that might not work because, A, it's one that if I consider it not as nice, then other people might not consider it as nice. But, you know, I like the forest pieces quite a bit. They're not nowheres, but they're close enough. And it's just an interesting, it's an interesting game to play. I, I don't want to lose it as much Iskra exposure, but, you know, if the, the prices drop back down, because we do often see these, like, 
everything retrace, then it could be the ability to get back in. Yeah, I think it's it's the that's the risk you take is like, will this be a project that retraces? Like, or you know, will we even see the entire market retrace? Like, I'm sure you've thought a lot about it as well. Is like, what's causing a lot of the price discovery right now, or just this bull run, and like, how much of it is just caused by the greater bear market out there and like the relative cheap price of Tez and that everyone hasn't repriced their stuff relative to USD. So in a way, like a lot of these prices that have doubled are really the same as they were before the bull run in USD terms, right? So it feels like prices have gone up a lot in Tezos terms, but in cash terms, like spendable money terms, a lot of these projects that moved could still be down, like especially from two to three months ago when Tez was above $4, like they could still be down in USD terms. The the anchoring piece though, if, if people are anchored on Tez, then in my mind, it it's a tougher shift to, you know, swap that over to USD, which is again, you know, that classic game that free-to-play games always use, where if you abstract it from the real dollars, then people don't know what they're spending. Well, I mean, I guess this is this is all to say that like, I think that argument can kind of lend itself to both answers or both theories, which is like, well, if people are reluctant to reprice based on USD, then we could see a lot of this price movement actually become semi-permanent. Like maybe we'll retrace a little bit, but maybe we won't retrace 50%. Maybe we just retrace like 10 or 20%. And then assuming Tez comes back up, and I think anyone listening has probably warm feelings towards Tez and thinks it's going to do well eventually, along with the rest of the market, does that mean the prices are not going to then get pushed back down in test terms and like the stuff will reappreciate or, or is it just that it's all temporary? Like I just, it's hard to say it, but I, for, for you, right? Like it's just hard to know if you'll ever be able to buy back in cheaper because you do have to calculate against like the price that's never coming down again. Yeah. And that's where I've been thinking about this a lot. And a piece can really only truly retrace so many times I feel before it, they get locked up, you know, it's not that initial collector set who might be looking to profit. Uh, uninhabitable was an 18 Tez mint. So obviously if you're selling now, you've made quite a bit of profit, but people who are buying at these higher prices, they're going to hold until it hits a higher price point yet again. And so it's going to be tougher. Personally, I feel that I need to sit through more of these market cycles to get that innate sense of what's happening and why it's happening. I know that we're all new to this, but I guess the NFT boom has only been for the last you know, year or so. I think the one thing that's important to note is that this is really different from what we were experiencing in December because all of those pieces that were like hitting really high points like Toxie Defract 2, which you sold for 700 plus, which is awesome, that was obviously going to see a big retracement just because it was so new on the market. That was a part of the initial like pump and dump, so to speak, after it was released on primary. And for projects that are more established, it's it's you're going to be seeing different trends overall. To- yeah, that's a whole other factor, right? And they are all individual projects in a sense, and it's hard to come up with a very generic rule to kind of govern them all. But I think it helps the more projects you look at to kind of like holistically get a sense of what can happen. 
and I know that people look at, you know, selling uh, tops and then buying back in the retracements for tr traditional crypto. The one lookout with, you know, doing that with NFTs, especially an NFT that you're looking to buy back into is that, that lovely royalty because you're already going to be losing out on 10 or 15% when you make that sale. So it changes the math a little bit. I thought you were going to say the liquidity element, which is that you're never guaranteed to be able to sell it again after you, after you buy back in, which I was going to say is actually an argument for you to stop relisting things higher. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're never going to, yeah, because the liquidity aspect of it is also so unpredictable and so fleeting. So this is it. This is strike two. I'm putting this as strike two for you. Next time I have so you many tell strikes. Me you, next time you tell me that, oh, I had something listed at 2000, then it became floor. And so I relisted at 5000, then we might have to just end the show. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> like, people are going to stop donating. They're going to, they're going to go like, what the hell? Like she's, she's, she could have had how much Tez here and she just keeps relisting higher. I mean, that's only like, if I sold at 2000, that's only two Contras. Come on. Yeah. Only two Contras. Oh no. You wouldn't you hate to have two of your most favorite project? <laughs> I would hate it. I would yeah. hate it so much when I could have five. Uh, but yeah, I think that's enough around uninhabitable. But you know, I, it's a really great case point, right? Yeah. Um, case study to look at when we're talking about some of these market movements, because generally, I feel that this week has been a return to normal. Yeah, there, there were some other projects that moved right. They had little runs like fragments, hollow. Both had actually like in terms of price, big runs, but in terms of number of pieces, it wasn't like we saw 30 hollows go. Just that the 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 floor is so thin on on that piece that as they move, it's, it's moving up significantly. But we saw a lot of stuff kind of retrace a little bit too, right? Like you noted here, RGB is down to 2,200 from 3,700. Contras are back under 1,000. A bunch of the Reese stuff that we had talked about just a week or two back now has retraced really heavily. So more kind of data points that some of the, not all of these pumps at least are going to hold strong. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of projects that have gone up, but you know, by and large, you're, we're not seeing the massive amounts of Tez being dumped onto the secondary and just kind of sweeping things up. Who knows? Maybe we'll see more players come into the game, but you know, I think the the new wallets that were in last week. I don't know if it's if it's journalism as much as it's rumor mongering, but I've heard some whispers of more kind of ETH groups or individuals who are taking notice, and we we could see another wave of it. I don't know how what that's going to mean in terms of floors or what projects those people may target, but that's just another reason to stay listed higher. We have more money coming in. Why wouldn't I want to? This is why you have to have three. Because when you have three, you can list them across a spectrum. You also have to have a secret fourth one that's not right. listed just in case things go totally bonkers insane. I think that's a pretty good recap of kind of the market activity and trends of this week. Any objection to moving on to project discussion? Let's do it. Talking about some of the drops that we mostly missed. <laughs> Thank goodness for reserve lists is all I have to say. Yeah. So yeah, what, where do you? where would you like to start? We can start with um, maybe your favorite type of project of the week, landscapes. You love landscapes so much. I hear that trees, you just can't stop hugging them. Yeah. No, you know, my nickname is uh, the Lumberjack. Is it? No. Yes. <laughs> because I'm just trying to chop these down <laughs> whenever I see them. But there, look, there were some nice ones. And there was also a really nice minimalist 
one from Rich Poole and the Paper Grant, which I actually wish I had been around to mint because I would have tried to mint that one. But I think you're you are leaning more towards Morning Mist and Rain Ritual where you were going here. That is where I was going. Do you have a preference to talk about which one first? I mean, I'm saltiest about Morning Mist because if they hadn't moved it, I actually would have been able to mint it. You might not have. Honestly, I probably would have minted it too high because where it is now in terms of the secondary, I probably I would have taken a loss on it, it looks like. It didn't nearly perform, I think, the way everyone expected it to. Yeah. So I was actually out, you know, helping you just move some stuff down to your car. And when they, when this was announced to be re-released on Friday, and I ended up like rushing home in time. Like I changed my the rest of my day plans to get back. And, you know, the, the Dutch auction on this piece, which is Morning Mist, Lucas Reveal, and Gibitombo, 333 editions. It was a Dutch auction. First price point was 222 Tez. And we saw a couple of mints there, including a couple like that were like gassed with like 10 or 20 Tez because people wanted to get number one. But largely not a ton minted at 222. And then they had a really precipitous drop from 222 to 111. And that was an insane mint where people were just throwing out gas left and right. I actually gassed six and I missed. And that's why I say you might not have been guaranteed to gotcha. okay. hit your uh, hit your mint. I mean, just looking right now, so we've had 84 secondary sales and there's 137 on the market still. It was heavily targeted, really heavily, heavily targeted, targeted, which is, yeah. makes sense because we were looking to maybe target it ourselves. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally understand it. And I kind of feel a little bit of relief that I didn't, uh, <laughs> I wasn't able to mint it to be honest, but as someone who's more interested in projects like this, how do you rate this on the scale of landscapes? I think it's a really nice landscape. You know, I think that Bougainvillea is the best tree on the platform. And I think that this is the new best tree on the platform, which makes sense because it's, you know, very similar tree. You know, I love the mist. I love the fogginess, the moodiness. It really kind of evokes a certain emotion of just being out in a slightly spooky time in the morning. Um, I don't know if you've opened it up, but the, the mist animates, which is a really nice touch and there are little bugs flying around. So it's like that subtle animation that we got from hollow with the people and the birds and also with Proxima with the little smokestacks. And so I really like the transition to this style of subtle animation where it's a value add rather than just something epileptic. Very nice. Are you thinking about trying to get one on the secondary if it comes down a little bit or have you kind of written it off? If it comes down a, a little bit more, I think so. You know, the lowest second sale on this is 135, which I think that if it was somebody who paid gas. They're breaking even at best. They're yeah. breaking even at best, yeah. Is it probably operating at a slight loss. And I do enjoy seeing that. I, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, of course. A little bit of shot in for it. So I'll wait for the floors to come down more and for more flippers to like lose their profits. No offense, flippers. It's just Hey, we've all sold under mint at some point, or at least I know I have. That's true. So, so what about Rain Ritual then? By Tenebris Via. So this is their first drop on the platform. Yeah, they have some other drops on some other platforms. Mm-hmm. But I really like this one. I have to say. It's a different 
style and aesthetic for sure. From I, I think from almost anything we've seen on FX hash, it's it is distinct in in that way. <laughs> now with the subject matter, not necessarily distinct, but what do you like about this one? For me, it's really just about the the taste and the quality of the color palettes. I know that you were chatting a bit with our good friend Ken Consumer who is saying that it's reminiscent of the covers of Boys Life magazines from the 1980s, which I would not know about as not yep. being a boy. No, it definitely does. It's specifically like the color and the, and the way the leaves are kind of drawn. Yeah, there is in, in the grass, like it is so nostalgic in that way. And I almost wonder if it is an influence on this piece. And it was Ken who pointed out to us that um, this artist has been, I guess, kind of credited maybe with starting the whole tree and landscape thing in, I guess, this modern era of generative art. But because they have been doing it for a really long time and not making them as NFTs, I take Ken's word at that as someone who knows a lot more about this stuff than than you or I do. So I guess in that sense, like that could be part of the reason why there was so much fervor for this beyond the fact that it's a tree, <laughs> right? And um, a nice tree. It's a nice tree. I mean, I think we were we were talking a little before the show. We both dislike the way some of the trunks are connecting to the ground. It's a little inelegant at times. But this is what uh, the trees and the the stones look like in some of their other works that you know you would see on resume or object so you know it's part of what the code itself is doing my brother-in-law has a painting in the kitchen uh, i guess it's of his family on a camping trip where like there's an rv there's a tent people are smiling and laughing and there's a lake with sky and trees and that painting must have been done in the 80s because it also evokes like this exact thing with its the quality of the greens and the blues and the way it interacts. So, no, I I do really like the color. I like the style. I just I'm so fatigued on on the stuff, and I'm fatigued at watching the market always just go nuts over these projects. Like, yeah, well, maybe we're seeing a reversal of that trend with Morning Mist. It's kind of just like how many trees can you have in your gallery, <laughs> type of thing. Oh, you have a whole tree gallery. How many how many works can you hang in it? Yeah. So many. So, I mean, let's since we're on landscapes, we might as well talk about miniscapes, which I actually kind of liked. I thought it was really cute. To me, it has that kind of similar feel to what I appreciate about a slight case of overbombing mm-hmm. from Dan. Like just I like this more like conceptual minimalist take on a scene like this. Again, wasn't here to mint it. And it looks like the DA, like it went really well. Yeah, so has mint out. this was a collaboration between Rich Pool and the Paper Crane. So I guess Rich Pool provide, provided some of the uh, the coding skills. Paper Crane provided some of the art. And it did all mint out at the top tier 49 Tez, which actually is the sign of a bad Dutch auction. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to mint out your, at the highest tier. You know, it was a long tier. It was 20 minutes between like price differentials. So it get the sense that it was slow at the start and then just once it hit a certain mark just ended up going i really like it i don't like it enough to go chasing it at close to 100 which is what it's at now and i think there is also like a distinction between the ones that animate and, and don't mm-hmm. apparently some of them move but 
50% of them move. Yeah, I was watching though, and I didn't really notice much other than the sun or the moon like going down. I didn't I didn't notice much change in the color, but yeah, it's like it's like movement of clouds, things like that. So gotcha. it's more of the the subtle things. Yeah, but very very fun piece. This is one that I'm less mad at. Maybe because there's no leaves. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe I just don't like leaves. <laughs> not sure. It's what not it as is. representational. Yeah, super fun. And you know, I'm a I'm a rich pool fan. We'll see if it comes down. Maybe I'll consider it. Or if I make another big sale, maybe in a moment of weakness, I'll grab one. But should we should we talk about some of the more abstract stuff then of the week? Yeah, we've been seeing a huge shift to more of the abstract, and I think this week specifically geometric projects. We've seen triangles, we've seen squares, we've seen squiggly lines and squiggly lines inside of squares. Um, it was a good week for that. I think maybe the first one that we can talk about is uh, a piece that I've at least been seeing works in progress of for quite a while. And that would be Rive Reeve, I don't know, by Abstract Mint, which was an astonishing 890 edition drop Dutch auction. Um, clue crew members, uh, people who have five or more clues also by Abstract Mint, they all got airdropped one and then we're on the reserve list for two. And I assume you minted your two, right? Mm-hmm. I minted my two. Any more than that or just your two plus your one? My, just the two plus my airdrop, because I think by the time I was able to get around to minting it, it was just down to the reserves. Yeah, I ended up getting three. So I minted one at eight and then two at five. Yeah, this is a really fun piece. Um, it's definitely different from his prior work with um, Clue and Symmetric Clue being the solo pieces. And obviously pretty different from Pang as well. Hmm. But... I can definitely see some of the like the learnings, I guess, from Pang being brought into this, where it's about the intentionality of the use of space. I really see that as just a huge like, difference with from Clue. I I thought this piece was super cool in that you know, Abstractment from our interview has not been coding that much longer than from kind of when I started back in January. You know, I think he has like maybe like a four or five month head start. But looking at this and like seeing how it's all composed of triangles that change their spacing in, in where they're drawn and change their color and that he specifically didn't use color palettes here. I think all the coloring is handled by math. Or am I wrong on that? Maybe I'm thinking of a different project. Either way. Either, Either way. way. The, the point I'm trying to get to is that it feels like something that like with a little bit I know about, like it's inspirational to me. That's like, Oh, this is what you can do with just knowing just some code. Like all you need to do is know the code to change the color of things, the code to draw triangles and some way to loop them and, and draw them in a certain order. But if you do it tastefully and well, and you put a lot of time into like taking the few tools that maybe you, you want to work with here. And I feel like maybe in a sense he was being, restrictive right because we know he can do a lot do mm -hmm. do other stuff like he can design a brush like he did for pang and do a lot more stuff with movement like he did with clue this just really comes down to like having a vision and playing with it and like i it's just very inspirational to me it makes me feel like um making good art is very achievable with like time and craft <laughs> which yeah. you know i'm short on right now unfortunately yeah. but 
As somebody who's been in like the Clue Crew Discord, you know, we've been able to see some of the works in progress from the very beginning. And this has changed dramatically from some of the first things that we saw. And, you know, I think it's also just sitting with an algorithm and working with it and fine tuning it with it and like not really settling and just really pushing for that extra like 10 or 15% that just takes it above and beyond. Um, I think that's something that's, you know, you see that here, especially if you've been following the entire trajectory of the piece. Great to see some, the diversity continue with Abstractman and I'm sure it'll be like another six or eight weeks or maybe longer before we get another project, but it's well worth it, right? Just mm-hmm. to see what he's capable of and like kind of see him stretch into different styles and explore different things. You know, I, this is going to be really big words, but the way that I see this is almost how I see RGB in a way. Oh, I totally see RGB in this in a way. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, not every piece is going to be for everybody, but everybody can find something that they really like and they can go chasing after different, you know, different things. Mm. Yeah. I have, I have one that's like very fine triangles that really kind of reminds me of the RGB I have, which is like the mm-hmm. smallest pixel size one. And I prefer those, like those cleaner looking ones. And I got others that are like more chunky that, yeah, I think that comparison's very justified <laughs> in a lot of mm-hmm. ways aesthetically. So, so on, on a similar note, actually, we had a release this week from Art Plus Brad called Over the Air. We haven't seen something from Art Plus Brad since Ode to GM, I don't think. Uh, polka Dots? Was, was that before or after? That was before. Okay. So an Ode to GM was like way back in December. It was awesome. So yeah, it's it's almost six months since we saw anything from Art Plus Brad. I don't know what they've been up to on other platforms, Tez or ETH. But they've returned with a very cool, abstract, geometric piece, as you said earlier, that is an ode to over-the-air television signals. And I kind of see it here. You know, some of these have a very staticky feel mm-hmm. to them or have like, yeah, little bits of distortion like you might get if you were tuning a TV. And this is another piece like really similar uh, to the previous one that you can find something that you like. There is so much diversity and just joy in every little bit. You can go for like the really hyper detailed black and white ones where it's just, you know, lines drawn together. You can go for ones that are almost full color or ones that are a combination. It's pretty wild how this is put together. I picked up two on the secondary, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, I missed cool. the mint. Um, and I just blindly, it's like, this one, this one. I was just trying to get them through Netlify as fast as I could rather than mm-hmm. doing the right thing and finding the best ones. But I, I just wanted to make sure I got something. Yeah, I, I minted um, two. I'm happy with both that I minted, but there's like a particular style that I really, really like mm-hmm. in this piece which is I, I guess the trait would be like size large okay where you can see a lot of the little symbols that compose everything like a little more and there's there's one here i think i'm actually going to make an offer on it because there's one that i really like that someone's trying to sell for 39 tez the floor is around 25 or so so i wonder if i can offer them just for the sake of science like make an offer of like 30 tez and see if they accept it the next day get myself a little discount and then I'll have my three, you know, three triples is best, you know, triples is safest. You got to have three. Mm-hmm. 
You gotta go for three or four if you really love it. But yeah. It's a very weird piece <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like the more you look at it, the more you kind of just go like what some of this stuff, I'm not even sure how it relates to the TV. And I wonder if there was like a lot of research into what a lot of that stuff looked like, you know, you and I, you know, not to give away just too much, but like we were a little bit past the time of TV that looked like this, <laughs> like where you had to play with the tuner and you would get caught between stations oh, and stuff. I, like, I did not have cable growing up, so I'm very familiar with tuners and also antennas. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So maybe, maybe this resonates even gives you a little nostalgia in a way. I don't know if it gives me nostalgia because I usually just associate that with bad audio and white noise um, and just like the lines kind of going up. Um, like if you had like on a VCR where you had mm-hmm. to tune that, but maybe it's over my head a little bit, but I just enjoy it regardless. I think it's really freaking cool. I wish I had been a little more plugged in this week to like spend some more time with it and and go and say, like, I didn't even see if there was a thread from R plus Brad about it more than the description. I would love to know more about the piece, mm-hmm. but yeah, for the sake of, um, moving on, I guess the divergent convergence from Jess Hewitt, did you get a chance to kind of learn more about them? Uh, I did not actually, oh, okay. but I did get a chance to play through some of these particular, particularly wonderful mints. This was released just a little bit before um, the morning mist. And so I was just logging into my computer and I opened up, um, you know, all of the websites and applications. And I was like, oh, something is minting very quickly at 80 Tez and I just missed out on it entirely. But it's a really fun work. I was really hyped to try to mint this one this week, was disappointed that it was moved to a time when I couldn't get it. Um, it's their first drop on the platform. I definitely need to learn more about this artist. Like to me, this is like if Angry Noise, Peter Pasma met with um, AO Flute from Shevembolder. Yeah. Like I just see like so many cool things going on in this piece. I like the way it looks when it's still. I like the way it looks when it animates. I love the way the the variety like plays out across like the different types of shapes overlapping each other. When you kind of look at the, the whole series, it's just such a, a cool, cool piece. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had more words for it to be like um, more articulate about it. But I mean, even some of them give me like uh Hardeen vibes. Oh, like, totally. In the way that they're composed. Like there's just so many things that come to my mind that I'm like, this reminds me of this. This reminds me of this. And like everything it reminds me of is something really well regarded on the platform or made by an artist that's like revered. So do you like the animations? I do like the animations a lot. I really, but I like that they're, I like that they're optional, but I think that they're super cool when they go like, yeah, it's a wild piece. I think it's really cool. And uh, one other thing about Jess Hewitt is that um, they have a company called generative toys. And this might be something that you're actually interested in. Um, one of the first products that they have is called Noise Deck, and oh. it's a web-based video synth that people can use in their browser. So I know that you love a good synth. Maybe video synth is the next place to take that. Okay. I mean, is it is it a tool that I would use to make noise? Because I'm not good at that. <laughs> um, 
I think it's more about creating images. Like you can oh, like play okay. with toggles and oh, cool. You know, make things that kind of look fun and glitchy. We should put a link to it in the show notes for people to check it out. Absolutely. So I need to decide. I mean, I do need to have one of these. I think it's like at that level for me. But here's the problem: when you look at the floor graph, it's just steady. It it had its initial like run up, and it's just holding fast. No one's undercutting on this piece, and I, I don't know. Granted, it's only been like two or three days. Yeah, at the time of this recording, but over fifty percent listed. I think it has room to come down. I think the seven day rule is often good. Yeah, um, to follow. Right. Except for a couple of very specific pieces like hollow, where it's just disaster if you don't get in early but mm -hmm. i think if there's something that you like close to the floor maybe just jump on it before somebody else does but i gotta keep uh, checking keep checking yeah, i think you're right just keep because i especially like the ones that are a little more wiggly <laughs> not not such um fine straight lines i like the ones that are a little rougher so i'll just keep kind of checking I, I'm, up, some, I'm up all the time, so I have plenty yeah, of Yeah, and you can just put a bunch of offers. Yeah, on. that's I should put an offer in out here too. Yeah, go for it. And remember, it doesn't have to be on the market. It can be any piece. Oh, that's true. Cool. I mean, I know we had a couple other things here. Like, um, you know, Liam Egan released Timpanic as like a, like a free mint for people who held Euphonic mm -hmm. from right around launch although it was only 500 editions so like everyone not everyone could get one yeah, i actually minted two i'm not i wasn't on that list i really like it one of mine is just really cool the other one is i, I listed it it's i've seen a little bit more like it but my other one really matches my ivona tau piece oh, pretty cool. well which is weird so i, I might that. keep that um in my back pocket until the other one sells i guess because it is listed yeah, it's it's a really fun companion to Euphonic and a little more chunky and eight bit looking. And then, do you like it as much? I know you were really big. No, on No, I like Euphonic. I like okay. Euphonic a lot more. But I think it's 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 always nice when like artists follow up, right, and give mm -hmm. you like a little something else. And then the heartbreak of the week was losing the landlines lottery. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> was doomed. Like it was only like eight people who won the lottery. I think. Yeah, but I had like 15 entries and people were like sketched out by connecting to the site and like thinking that landlines is going to rug them or something. And just like, I was like, maybe this time I, I enter these Twitter things. Like people are like, comment here and you can win one of these. And like, I've never won a single one of them. I was like, you know what? We talk about landlines so much on the show, collected so much of their work and just, this is the one like in my heart, you know, sometimes you have that feeling like this mm -hmm. is the one. It wasn't the one. You know what? You're just saving up for bigger the one. There's gonna be a better one, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, it's it's a really cool project from from Landlines. There's a ton of detail here. Like I was playing around with them, and if you go into the highest resolution mode and download the tiles, like you could make one of these truly enormous and just get insanely big print of it. Or I don't know what what you would do with it necessarily, but you mm -hmm. could make these really big. There's so much detail here. Do you like this kind of textile turn from them? Yeah, I think it's a really nice piece. Uh, I, when I was playing with it earlier, I thought I could see some like really cool, subtle 
animations as it was rendering. I don't know if it actually was doing that or if it's just a really great optical illusion. But I think it represents a really nice, you know, continuation of some of their more recent work, uh, specifically with dots, which I know that we both liked quite a bit. And it even pulls in some of like the grid patterns from like an abrupt and a sedimentary dissolution. So it's taking some of the familiar and just putting a new twist. I think it's really great. You know, they only did 64 editions here. And I assume that that is because of the way the algorithm was designed and just like Mm -hmm. fear of anything that looked too repetitious. And you can see there's kind of like a finite number of patterns here. And if you got two of the same pattern that rolled the same palette, they would run the risk of looking very samey. So I think it was- Number 10 and number 20 are like very samey to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm looking at the 10 and 20 here. It's like very subtle differences. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious if this is kind of like a study in- creating a new texture. I wonder if there'll be something that comes of this. that's like more robust long form that maybe we'll have a shot to mint. <laughs> I think the only thing I don't like about this piece is I don't like the new pink and purple color palette. Is that weird of me to say? Why? Why? Because of gender roles? <laughs> no, no, no. I, okay. I actually, I like pink in some context. It's, it could be pretty cool. I'm yeah. wearing a purple t-shirt right now. So um, then why why'd you say is that weird to say? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. It's just complaining about a new signature palette from somebody who has, oh. you know, great palettes. Um, I just literally, I'm not a huge fan of that one, but I, I like some of the other new palettes that they're working with. The reds and purples, something that we don't really see, you know, pulling in more subtle browns and grays. That's cool. But, you know, I think we'll both always have it in our heart of hearts for the the classic Mint number 14 just feels like a sedimentary dissolution, but with a new twist. So, Yeah, so where should we go from here? I mean, I know we didn't get to everything. It was a very tough week for us. Like we missed some pieces from like Kill by a Pixel had their release, Auto Park, Faust, like just things that we just missed and I just don't really feel Mm -hmm. comfortable talking about. But maybe we can get to them next week if these things continue to have... Yeah, absolutely. And And I know that this is getting to be a pretty long conversation. We've accidentally hit the pause button. So um, we're at least... We're definitely over an hour. Yeah. Oh, we're probably well over 90 minutes. But I think maybe we can just kind of transition to some of the things that we're looking forward to. I think the big one that I'm looking forward to is the next Tender collab with T. Boswell. It's called Love. It's just more really beautiful shapes that just create other shapes and just flow and move. Um, There's some work in progress on Twitter that everybody should take a look at. I don't think we have addition size or pricing information yet. um, At least nothing that I've seen, but it's looking to be another good drop. Yeah. They're getting some buzz on Twitter already and, AJ Bernie wrote a really, really nice Twitter thread about in particular, like the origin of this piece and in the collab and like where it came from and, and his history with trying to create this piece of art that's now kind of being realized through the generative medium. And that's just really, really cool to see. And it's just like, just amazing to see these tender collaborations just come out. I mean, they're not coming out about every week, but like every two weeks or so, it seems like they're coming out and so different such high quality 
And this one looks like it's probably going to be, if I had to guess, I would say it's going to do well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've all done pretty well. They haven't had sustained crazy secondary action yet, but it doesn't matter. You know, artists are getting paid and collectors are holding. So that's good. That's mostly what I'm looking forward to. Uh, um, the Erfan Hosseini has a new drop in the in the queue ready to come out. Um, which is looking pretty nice. Anything that you're looking forward to? I know we've talked about it a couple of times, the new, the new Toxie piece that seems to be coming. And, and there was a bit of a Toxie Twitter resurgence this week that one, did seem to confirm that this piece is coming to FX Hash, and two, did seem to confirm that he's still an excellent follow on Twitter. <laughs> you know, when he chooses to engage, he fully engages and... Um, I'm sure everyone has their own opinions of his opinions. Like for me personally, I tend to agree with them more than disagree. So I, I kind of like it when artists stand up for themselves and talk about their work and take a strong point of view like that. So very much looking forward to his return to the platform. And then I'm looking forward to finishing unpacking and getting some furniture and, and making the new place feel more comfortable and like hopefully having a week where I can focus more on the show and then be engaged again. Cause I was really missing it this week. Like really feeling frustrated being away. Yeah. Well, let's both look forward to having a more normal week then. Can't wait. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. All right, everyone. Well, yeah, that's it for this one. Thanks for listening as always. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. All right, later. Bye.